Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. On behalf of Pastors David and Nicole Binion, thank you for joining us today at the Dwell Church Podcast. For more information about Dwell Church, visit us at dwell.church. Now, let's listen to today's message. So we're going to dig into some more uh, Revelation. revelation today. Famous last words. We chose, we chose this title uh, to walk us through this, these months now of digging and mining out a book of the Bible that I used to be afraid of until I paused to really see what was there. Uh, I think culture taught me one thing, and then I began to just mine it out and see Jesus is everywhere. The revelation of Jesus Christ. This is not a prediction of bad things to come. This is an unveiling of how magnificent Jesus is. The conquering king. The lamb slain before the foundation of the world. Worthy to take the scroll. uh, The king of kings and the lord of lords. And so it's just been this breathtaking unveiling. Uh, as, as we began to dig, I woke up, I think it was last May, two months into the, the COVID shutdown, and I just woke up and I heard the Lord say, and I woke Nicole up and told her, I just heard the Lord say, write the revelation of Jesus. And uh, so I began. Yeah. And so we've just been just pursuing this until we feel uh, the Lord lift uh, the direction in another way, lift it off of this and, and lead us in another way. So we're not done with the book of Revelation. Yeah. Yeah. And so we're going to dig kind of, we're going to take a little bit of a deep dive today. And um, I've been really excited to get to, uh, I know um, you have something specific. Um, you know what, guys? I'm still hearing like a keyboard or a um, Z, Zahir. A I think I'm still hearing something in my ear. Is, Is it that? that? What's that? He forgot to push the stop button. Oh, okay. He it's to hard to understand stop. with the mask on, so I'm, using I'm glad this, you're wearing the mask. I'm using but. this in-ear monitor. I'm just hearing this. Yeah. That's why I took my pack off and left it over and here. It Is it gone? Me, yeah, it's cool. Gone okay. Thank you. Okay. As I was saying, I'm so excited to, um, to kind of share this briefly as we launch into uh, the message today. Um, as we've been digging in to study on the book of Revelation, um, we have... Uh, we have <laughs> we have discovered there are four theological viewpoints um, that theologians that you know that are, are accepted and sort of um, are are you know I'm, y'all I'm sorry my brain is, is no it's ha- it's like it's it's these are these yeah. are perspectives that yes. different people throughout the generations how they interpreted yeah. the book of revelation yes theologians uh, agree on these four theological views so we're going to share these we're going to go through them quickly today at the beginning of the message um, and and then dig into more of revelation 4 and 5 because um, we didn't even know this when we started right. we didn't we I mean, I've known of things over the years where I would hear people talk about 
uh, different things, and it was just like absurd to me what, what I would hear. And so as we began to discover historically people and perceptions and teachings from the book of Revelation and how you view uh, the, the study of the last days. So we're going we're gonna to dig in quickly here. The, the fir- and if you're taking notes, this is a great, great um, uh, thing to take notes on because it's a lot of helpful information. And as we, we talk through these briefly, we're going to share with you the viewpoint that we feel is um, that, that we're really approaching this study with, okay? So the first view is called the preterist view. Do we have slides for that? Yeah, the preterist view, okay? And preterist simply means past. Uh, The preterist view uh, sees all of the events in the book of Revelation as taking place before 70 AD, okay? And that's that's when the Romans destroyed Jerusalem. So, So the preterist view says everything that happened in the book of Revelation happened before 70 AD. So to understand that, John... Uh, okay, so Jesus was crucified, and we think about A.D. 30. And so 40 years after that, if I'm, if, if I'm right, and I think I am, is when John, close to, you know, it was before A.D. 70, when John had his encounter, because Jerusalem had not been destroyed by the Romans yet when John wrote this. They were under persecution. Jerusalem still was a thriving city, but they were... Uh, they were under the persecution of the Roman Empire, but they still, Jerusalem still existed. At AD 70, Jerusalem was destroyed, and Jerusalem wasn't a nation until 1949. So the Preterist view says that everything in the book of Revelation is literal, and it already happened. Okay, we, we see this view as unfortunate because really it makes everything in this book an ancient piece of history and not really relevant to our lives today, okay? So that's the first view, the preterist view. Uh, the second view is called the historicist view, okay? And the historicist view divides the book of Revelation into seven sections, And each of the seven sections is typified by the seven different churches in chapters one and two, okay? Remember the letters, I'm sorry, two and three. Remember the letters to the churches, okay? Um, So the historicist view says the seven seals, the seven trumpets, the seven bowls unfold one after the other in alignment with seven different ages of the church, okay? But this idea has been abandoned for the most yeah, part been... because they don't have historical proof to support it. Yeah. When I say historical proof, that writers outside of the Bible, uh, there, there are a lot of writers that uh, give us information about things that happen that support and confirm. Yes. So, so the historicist view believes that all events are literal and they, have, they, they take place within the history of the church. And as Pastor David said, this viewpoint has nearly been abandoned by theologians, okay? So that was the historicist view, number three. Okay, number, I'm sorry, that was number two. Number three is the futurist view, okay? And this is the view that many of us uh, in our churches growing up, um, denominations that I know that Dave and I were a part of sort of embrace this futurist view, Um, And the futurist view takes the whole book to mean that the events refer to the end of history, okay? Um, And 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 that may or may not mean 
right now to us because with this particular view, that idea keeps changing because we inter we've interpreted scripture based on current events instead of interpreting scripture by scripture, which is the common way all scripture is interpreted. Is interpreted. Yeah. And so. Yeah. So the futurist view includes the concept of dispensationalism. I'm sure many of you have heard that term. Um, the, the futurist view believes that Israel will be restored into its former glory. The church will be raptured. The seven-year tribulation will reveal the Antichrist to persecute people who are left. Uh, nations will rise up together to make war against Israel. And then Jesus will return again and defeat the enemy against Israel. I got a lot of info on this one. Then establish a 1,000-year reign on the earth. Um, at the end of the 1,000-year reign... Jesus will return again to defeat Satan again and then begin his eternal reign, okay? So um, as we've dug into the study of this, um, and I, I really want to, I recommend um, this book. I'm just going to throw this out here by Dr. David Campbell called Mystery Explained. And a lot of this information that we're sharing with you today is in this book. There have been a, a couple of books that David and I have really gleaned from a lot um, uh, in, in our study. And so a lot of this information is in this book. But there are a few problems with the futurist view, okay? The first problem is that the book of Revelation never assumes a natural restoration of Israel. It, it, I, the, the book of Revelation identifies the church as composed of Jews and Gentiles, right? We've been grafted in um, by the blood of Jesus on the, on the cross, and so now the church is, is both Jew and Gentile. Um, the, the second problem is that Revelation makes no men mention of a rapture or a, a catching away, and that reference is actually from 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 that talks about being carried away at the last trumpet um, or the second coming of Jesus. Um, and so the idea of sort Just, of a secret okay. rapture. E even with that, even carried away is not the term that the Bible uses. It's, it says caught up. And we believe. We still believe. So don't let anybody, don't, don't start assuming that we're, we're backing up on, on this idea that we believe in the second coming. Jesus is coming. Yes. Coming. It could be soon. Yeah. But, but I will tell you, I'm 58 years old and I've heard soon. From my earliest days of remembering anything, that Jesus is coming soon. Uh, we believe he's coming. We believe he, that we will be caught up in the air. I heard Pastor Mike Hayes say, uh, explain it this way. He said, what I believe is that the trumpet sounds, just like 1 Thessalonians says, we're caught up in the air and we're changed and we become immortal, eternal beings. And we're not going far and we won't stay long. And we will come and then receive Jesus and the new heaven and the new earth will commence and uh, the millennial reign will begin. Uh, there, there is, I've been reading the Bible through since I was 13 years old. Every year of my life, I've read the Bible through. And I have never seen anywhere in the Bible there is, a, there is one reference in the book of Daniel that uh, gives, uh, they talk about a period of days, 70 times 7, and somehow the, the people that believe the, this seven-year tribulation thing take this one particular scripture and 
create this idea that we're all going to be caught up and then the Antichrist will take over the planet and for seven years and then we all come back. But the, really, the Bible doesn't tell us that. Yes, which is, which is where I'm going with, with the, the third problem, with the futurist view, according to theologians, um, says that you know, the Bible makes no mention of multiple returns of Christ. We believe there's only one second coming of Christ. Uh, and so, and then, then the next issue we have with the futurist view is, um, is that because everything is considered literal, it's considered to be literal with the futurist view, it kind of turns the book of Revelation into a weird science fiction novel, okay? <laughs> um, so, and, and then the, 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 the fifth issue with, with this futurist view is that it interprets Revelation by current events, as Pastor David just mentioned, and not by eternal truths, okay? So, so, you know, even here in the West, you know, there are those that believe, are we, gonna, are we going to um, escape persecution? Are we going to escape tribulation? Um, and Pastor David mentioned a, a couple weeks ago when you talked about granny was wrong. Um, you know, I think here in the West, we've had the, um, the luxury, right, of not being persecuted for our faith uh, and, and sort of having a bit of you know, when you look to other parts of the world and throughout church history, how, how can anyone think that, that the church has not endured tribulation and persecution and will not continue to, right? And so, um, so I, I just, I wanted to say well, I mean, that. It's, to say that, it's like um, the American church views strongly, probably more than any other nation in the world, because they're so not, well, a lot of people are so not aware of what's happening globally. Just two weeks ago, a man in London was arrested for preaching on the street. You know, right down here on the corner, uh, coming under the bridge under 75, at, at, as soon as you come through from McKinney over into Allen, I see a man preaching there often. And I just can't imagine... Uh, police cars pulling up and arresting this man for preaching the gospel. Uh, there, 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 there are so many people around the globe being persecuted for the sake of the gospel. Uh, there are churches in China that have to remain hidden, but they're thriving. The churches that are persecuted most thrive the most. I'm not inviting more persecution, but I just want to tell you that the church will survive. The church will thrive. Mm -hmm. And Amer our American church, you know, we really be need to become comfortable with the idea of being countercultural <laughs> because we're seeing that unfold and play out more and more, right? So the idea here is we're not constantly looking to what's happening in the Middle East or what's happening in current events to, for when, to know when Jesus is going to return, okay? There have been cycles of, you know, of, of events that have happened throughout history. Um, and so... So that is the futurist view, okay? Then we get to the fourth one, which is really the one that we feel that we embrace and as, as we've been looking at uh, this, this study on the book of Revelation. And that view is called the idealist view. Some call it the spiritual uh, view, but uh, the idealist view. And so the idealist view interprets uh, and views symbolically uh, and 
views the, the, what's take, what takes place in the book of Revelation symbolically and in the light of Old Testament references, uh, the actual script, scripture them, itself. Uh, the, the church and the idealist view is interpreted as fulfilling God's covenant with Israel, right? So we believe in a fulfillment theology uh, where the church is the fulfillment of, of national Israel. Uh, we believe Old Testament prophecies are applicable to the New Testament church, right? Anybody believe that? Mm-hmm. Um, the idealist view uh, sees that the judgments in this book depicted in the seals, the bowls, and the trumpets are cyclical events which take place throughout history, okay? So we see these things happen again and again, wars, rumors of war, famine, you know, persecution. Uh, I mean, so many things, the list goes, goes on and on. Um, so, so the idealist view sees these events as cyclical and recurring throughout history. Which means... When John wrote this to the seven churches about things that must shortly come to pass, it was right on target. Things did come to pass immediately. So as we go through each of these these views, there are elements of truth in all of them because the word was for the church at that day. But the same word that was for that day is also for us today. Like all the rest of scripture is given to us to speak to us And does that that make sense? Is that helpful? So to wrap this up on the idealist view, the idealist is not looking at everything literally, um, where the three other views are strictly only literal interpretations. Um, But but the idealist view sees it at things that have happened and will happen, um, but also the spiritual implication of the the things in the book of Revelation. Um, And so we believe that the book of Revelation is an exhortation to Christians to remain faithful to Jesus. This book is about Jesus. He is the focus. It's called the revelation of Jesus Christ, okay? And so, so... we wanted, to, we wanted to share those four theological viewpoints. Anybody uh, appreciate that understanding as, as we kind of dive, dive into this? So good. So unless, to prevent someone from becoming confused, we are still looking for Jesus to come. Yes. Uh, we anticipate it. We anticipate that when he comes, we will still have work to do based on scripture. When, when, we are, when our bodies are changed, there will be work to do. I believe that when when someone passes away, like my father-in-law, when when life is over, they're not they're just not floating on a cloud. Yeah. They become part of the great cloud of witnesses that I believe intercede for us yeah. continually. Yeah. They really know how to pray without filters, yeah. and so uh, so there is much work to do. So I hope this helps. So I want to dive into the fourth chapter. I finally got out of the first chapter of Revelation, <laughs> and uh, and then uh, months ago. Uh, early on, uh, Tanner, Pastor Tanner, brought two weeks worth of the letters to the churches, right? So amazing. Uh, uh, John spoke last month about overcoming by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. And it was uh, just, again, just this ongoing, unfolding realization, Jesus showing us how this scripture applies to us today. So I want to dive into chapter four. I love 
this chapter. It's a chapter on worship. Uh, I'm going to read it. It's uh, Revelation 4, starting with verse 1. I'm going to take my time, and I want you to hear. Uh, I want you to see the images that John gives us uh, as he is invited to come up yeah. higher. After this, I looked, and there before me was a door standing open in heaven. And the voice I had first heard speaking to me like a trumpet said, come up here. I imagine it's Andre Vicelli kind of sounded tenor voice. If it sounded like a trumpet, come up here. <laughs> I don't know. Like a trumpet, he said. And I will show you what must take place after this. At once, I was in the spirit. Now, he was already in the spirit on the Lord's day. Then he hears a voice and he turns to see. Uh, let me not get distracted. But so he was already in the spirit, but then he's invited to the more place. Okay, let me, let me get right here. At once I was in the spirit and there before me was a throne in heaven with someone sitting on it. And the one who sat there had the appearance of jasper and ruby. A rainbow that shone like an emerald encircled the throne, a rainbow circling the throne. Well, you know, you think when you see rainbow, you think of just four or five colors after a storm, you see it in there. But this says there was a rainbow encircling the throne. Surrounding the throne were 24 other thrones and seated on them were 24 elders. They were dressed in white and had crowns of gold on their heads. From the throne came flashes of lightning, rumblings, and peals of thunder. In front of the throne, seven lamps were blazing. These are the seven spirits of God. Also in front of the throne, there was what looked like a sea of glass. Clear as crystal. In the center around the throne were four living creatures, and they were covered with eyes. In front and in back. An unusual description, right? This kind of, that this is even scary. <laughs> the first living creature was like a lion. The second was like an ox. The third had the face like a man. And the fourth was like a flying eagle. Each of the four living creatures had six wings and was covered with eyes all around, even under its wings. I'm just imagining the eyes under the wings. Uh, how, how, again, a bizarre picture. Day and night, they never stop saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Whenever the living creatures give glory, honor, and thanks to him who sits on the throne and who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him who sits on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. They lay their crowns before the throne and say, you are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things and by your will they were created and have their being. So John is invited to see what must, is going to happen next. And what happens next is extravagant worship, like he's never witnessed before. He's trying to describe it. 
rainbows and flashes of light. I, uh, I, just, I will just take back, and, and, and the verse 1 will be my text. I looked and saw a door standing in heaven, standing open in heaven, and the same voice I had heard before me spoke to me like a trumpet. <laughs> the voice said, come up here, and I will show you what must happen after this. So before we, before we move into the next part of the sermon, I actually started writing a song from this passage of Scripture. Uh, I wonder, can you sing a little bit? Come up here. Come up here. Come up higher. Come up higher. I see the throne. I see the one as brilliant as gemstones. I see the glow. That swirls around the brightest of rainbows. And from the throne, a thunderous roar and flashes of lightning. The seven flames all stand ablaze. The Spirit's inviting to come up here. Anybody want to go? <laughs> come up here. Come up higher. Let's sing the second verse. He wants me to do the second verse. Here we go. The elders clothed in whitest robes with crowns that are golden. They all fall down, they cast their crowns and worship before him. Oh, for beings rise with wings and eyes, magnificent faces, oh, the greatest prize, both day and night, they all keep on saying, holy, I, I like I like the way I like the way we said this better than the way John said it because it <laughs> yes that might be blasphemous no 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 it's just like it's just like translations you know the message four beings rise with wings and eyes magnificent faces I, I just I think I, I like I like saying it that way I didn't take away from it I didn't add to it. 
because we're, we're afraid to do that. <laughs> Revelations, this fourth chapter is a hinge to open to an open door elevated in heaven, inviting us to the more of God. Chapter four invites us. When, when, when he invites, he's not, this is not just an invitation to John to make up for how bad his condition was. God's not feeling sorry for him, and so therefore he's going to give him this wonderful supernatural experience. What he has given to John, he's given to all of us. John writes it so that we can see. It requires our imagination. So he invites us to the more place, to the more of God. Throughout the entire Bible, there have always been hints and invitations to the higher place. You've heard us Quote the scripture here. Psalm 24, verse 3 and 4 says, Who may ascend the hill of the Lord? Or who can stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who has not lifted up his soul to an idol, nor sworn deceitfully. Verse 6 of that same chapter I like in the message translation says, This is what happens to God seekers, to God questers. The ascension. This happens to people that seek God. They ascend the hill of the Lord. Isaiah chapter 6 verse 1 says, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne high and lifted up. And the train of his robe filled the temple. Isaiah had to look up to see the Lord sitting on a throne. 34 chapters later, He's still inviting us to come up into the high mountain because he wanted us to see what he was seeing, to behold our God. He says it, the 40th chapter, verse 9, O Zion, you who bring good tidings, get up into the high mountain. O Jerusalem, you who bring good tidings, lift up your voice with strength. Lift it up. Be not afraid. Say to the cities of Judah, Behold your God. The invitation to the high place. John gives us another clue in his gospel, wanting us to have an elevated perspective. He said in the fourth chapter, verse 35, Do you not say there are still four months and then comes the harvest? But I say to you, Lift up your eyes so that you can see the harvest is ready now. He invited the 12 to have an elevated perspective. This invitation always to come to the higher place. What looks like down here is different than the way it looks like up here. The Apostle Paul, one of my favorite chapters to go to, this has been one of my life messages. He challenges us with this amazing truth. Ephesians 2, 6. And God has raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. I've said this before, and it bears repeating. Paul is not talking about what happens when we die. When he said we've been made to sit together in heavenly places, he wasn't talking about where we go when we die. He was inviting us 
to this elevated place. He was exhorting us about a place of honor and fellowship and intimacy where we have been made to sit down together in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. But I'm convinced that many of our chairs remain empty because we have not understood this rightly. It's, it's the difference. It's the difference of uh, someone speaking words, speaking right words, but no authority when they speak it. I've watched worship leaders lead worship, and then I've seen worship leaders worship with authority. They command a room. It's not that because they're trying to manipulate people, but... They understand the elevated place. They worship. Uh, 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 let me keep going. Jacob dreamed about a gate of heaven in Genesis 28, 12, with visions of angels ascending and descending. And he declared, surely the Lord is in this place, and I did not know it. This is none other than the house of God. John paints almost the same picture in the first chapter of the Gospel of John. Now, this is the same guy that wrote Revelation. In the first chapter of the Gospel of John, verse 51, he, uh, he, he's, Nathaniel is being invited by Philip. Come meet the Messiah. We found him. We found him. And so he's sitting under a fig tree. When Nathaniel comes to meet Jesus, Jesus said, Oh, what a wonderful man you are. No guile in you. I saw you. Before Philip called you, sitting under the fig tree, and he marveled and he said, surely you're the son of God. And he said, because I said, I saw you sitting under the tree. You think I'm the son of God? I tell you this, greater things will you see. The day will come when you will see angels ascending and descending upon the son of man. You will see a door open in heaven and angels ascending and descending. This, This exchange from the throne, uh, let, me, let me keep moving here. The church has spent so much energy worshiping and serving from the earth towards the heavens, not realizing that we've been called to ascend the hill of the Lord and be seated in heavenly places and learn how to worship and serve towards the earth. But we resist this notion Quoting what some passionless person once said, they are so heavenly minded, they're no earthly good. But I say, unless you're heavenly minded, you'll never be earthly good. You can never bring goodness to the earth unless you find your seat. So in this final book of the Bible. Somebody say, come up here. Come up here. Come up here. Uh, babe, you, are, you have the, the invitation to interject anytime. I just did. I just okay, did. I Come go. up here. <laughs> Woo. In this final book of the Bible, John looks and sees a door open in heaven. And hears the same voice that spoke to him before saying, come up here and I will show you what must happen after this. John's vision is consistent with the whole of Scripture inviting us to this elevated place. 
And what he sees is breathtaking. His description is spectacular. He writes and allows us to see and experience with him. But greater still, John is showing us the kind of encounters that are possible with God and the man who will surrender his whole being in prayerful pursuit of the lamb and remain faithful in spite of the tribulation. Remain faithful in spite of the riots in the street. Remain faithful in spite of the pandemic. People, I, I would just tell you, you know, we, we've, been, we've been dealing with some stuff. We, there are churches that, are, that have still not returned since the beginning of the shutdown. I just want to say this before you go on. This is why, even in sharing the four viewpoints, the four le- theological viewpoints in the book of Revelation, why we are so passionate about this is because if you think, if we think that revelation is only for the last generation on the earth, we are going to completely miss what is for us. Okay. We're going to completely miss it. And that's why it's so important that we know that the book of revelation is for us here and now in 2021, not just for the last generation. Right? Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, God still speaks. His old men dream dreams, and his young men see visions. When God speaks, it's always to a people, not just an individual. And when he calls John to come higher, he's calling for all of us to come higher. He wants all of us to experience the view. He wants all of us to be seated in the elevated place. He wants all of us to declare with the authority and serve back towards the earth and bring transformation. Unless you sit in this place of authority, perspective, you won't be able to see things rightly. So over, over the past few years, I've shared with you since Dwell began, some of the visions and the dreams and the eye surgery. I've begun to have divine visitations and encounters in my dream life. Accompanied by visions when I wake up. A dream would, there would be something spectacular in the dream and it would jolt me up and the the, the vision doesn't stop. The dream doesn't stop. It's like it, it translates into a vision when I'm awake and aware. First, I'm asleep, and I don't know what's going on, and it's just kind of overwhelming me, and it jolts me awake, and then the vision continues. I, I've said, I don't know if I'm an old man or a young man, because I'm dreaming dreams, and I'm seeing visions. Even today, even this morning, still waking up from a dream and hearing the voice of the Lord. So, sometimes the visions come while I'm driving. Sometimes I get revelation in the restroom. <laughs> it's the truth. I've written many of songs, many a song, uh, where we're, we're maybe co-writing and I'm stuck. And I'm like, and I just have to take a bathroom break. And I go in the bathroom. And while I'm in the bathroom, the Lord drops. You should not have used that word. 
a revelation in my spirit. Oh, did I just say that? I just said that. Okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna land. I'm gonna land the plane. Oh. One vision, one vision I had. I was driving from San Diego to Los Angeles, and at, at stop laughing. Uh, I'm driving, and it's a two, two and a half hour drive. And as I start this drive, it's 5 a.m. in the morning. I'm trying to drive before traffic is crazy in L.A. And so I, I, I start. I have this, I have this vision, and the vision lasts the entire drive. So. Uh, but he did reach his destination safely. We're grateful for that. Okay. So I want to read to you. When I got to, to my destination, uh, I was stunned and I started writing this down. I don't know how to describe what I see, but I'm captivated by the view. I behold a swirling flow of water, but not really water. It's river-like, but unlike any river I've ever seen. Niagara comes to mind, but a circling swirl of violent but gentle love, violent but gentle love is being expressed, furious flow, but somehow calm and peaceful. At the center is a dance of passion between the father and the son, the most beautiful portrait of worship my eyes have ever seen. The Father eternally pouring his love out toward the Son. The Son eternally pouring his love out toward the Father. Endless love and devotion unmatched. Somehow there is another force drawing me, wooing me, romancing me, inviting me to join the dance. But I can't. I'm not physically able to sustain what I see and live to tell it. But somehow, I'm being drawn by this unseen force that's very similar to the essence of the vision I'm seeing. The same essence, yet unseen. I somehow understand that it is him, a persona, the Holy Spirit, the great connector pressing me, pulling me towards the torrent of passion between the father and son. Then it takes me and I am immersed. No longer seen yet visible at the same time. Except I look like him. His image. Their image. They look the same. The father is in the son. And the son is in the father. And somehow I'm in the middle. Beholding the most beautiful expression of love. And now I'm dancing. One with the father and son. Drawn here by the spirit. Surrounded by the song and the sound of heaven. The elders are there. Now I, I, I never saw... I wrote this three or four years ago. I had this vision three or four years ago. I never saw Revelation 4 until I was preparing this. The elders are there, casting their crowns, beholding, bowing, angels crying, holy, holy, again and again. 
How can this be? I'm in the middle. The midst. And they behold him. But I'm here. And I discover there are others here. Dancing. We are all in him. And he is in us. Dancing. Then suddenly I'm back on earth, but somehow still in heaven. Heaven is not so far, not as far as I always imagined. My heart is full of him, spirit. As I focus, I realize that I am wooing earth dwellers, drawing, longing to bring others into the dance. We're all invited. My purpose discovered, spirit inside of me, pressing, longing. I am his image. I feel I can command anything. I look like him, so earthly things and heavenly beings respond to my command. Sickness, pain, surrenders to my declaration. But I'm on earth, yet still seated in heaven, heavenly places, everyone come, come up here, come join me, come join us, the dance. Two days after this vision, I get a random text message from William McDowell. It was just this passage of scripture, Psalm 65, verses 9 through 13. The message translation. He just sent me a text. Oh, visit the earth. Ask her to join the dance. Deck her out in spring showers. Fill the God River with living water. Paint the wheat fields golden. Creation was made for this. Drench the plowed fields. Soak the dirt clods with rainfall as harrow and rake. Bring her to blossom and fruit. Snow crown the peaks with splendor. Scatter rose petals down your paths. All through the wild meadows, rose petals. Set the hills to dancing. Dress the canyon walls with live sheep. A drape of flax across the valleys. Let them shout and shout and shout. Oh, oh, let them sing. As I was writing my notes, I remembered a song that I wrote back in 2001. It's on that project that we wrote called The Sound of Heaven. I will ascend. I will arise. I will scale the mountain high. I've got a burning desire just for a look at you. I will ascend. I will embrace. I just want to see your face. I will ascend the hill of the Lord. I just want to be with you. Who wants to go? Who, who, who wants to ascend? 
Who wants to live in the elevated place? Who wants to rise? Who can hear the voice? Maybe you don't hear a voice, an audible voice, but just trust that God sometimes speaks through a man and invites all of us to come up here. Come up higher. Come and see your God. Come and behold his plan. Come and realize that we are made in his image. We have the breath of God in us. We have the capacity to release the sound of heaven in the earth. Much like, I don't know if you're in, I mean, how many musicians? You play some kind of instrument. Okay. How many, what about wind instruments? You ever played a saxophone or, or, okay. So in a saxophone, they put this little reed in the mouthpiece. And as, as you bite down on the mouthpiece and you release, you blow your breath through that mouthpiece, it releases a sound. When the breath of God when the breath of God gets close to you and it's sometimes you just, it's like he breathes in you. And when his breath is released through you, you look like him and you sound like him. We, we can just keep on going through the motions of life or we can ascend. We can, and you have to see yourself. You have to allow your imagination to see what John saw, to see what Paul saw. And allow yourself to rise. They that wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They will mount up with wings. That's what happens when you wait on him. Is you, you're, you're given wings. And you're lifted above your circumstances. You're lifted to the higher place. To the elevated place. And then you can with authority declare over your circumstances. Over your finance. Over your children. Over your marriage. When you declare with the breath of God in your mouth. And you release the sound of heaven over your sickness. When you release the sound of heaven over divorce. When you release the sound of heaven over the death that you face in your life. When you release, when the breath of God is, is, is blown through your lungs and released in the atmosphere. The sound of heaven brings transformation and healings start breaking out. Healings become our reputation. Signs and wonders become our reputation. People will be drawn like bugs are drawn to that light. Did you ever see one of those before? I always thought it was kind of cruel. But I'd go visit Granny. She wasn't wrong about that. She had one of those hung outside, and you'd be sitting out just talking, and all of a sudden you hear a zoop. Zoop. But I just tell you, in the elevated place, in the elevated place, when you are seated, you are uh, in, you're in this throne zone. You're in this throne zone where they, I talked about it a few weeks ago about uh, when the, the hedge was built up around Job. And uh, when you're in the throne place, demons try to get close and all of a sudden you hit with no effort on your part at all, you hear a little zip, zip, because heaven burns in you, heaven flows in you, heaven lives in you because we understand that we've been invited to this elevation. So God, we pray. We pray that you will give us eyes to see. 
time and again throughout the book of Revelation, you said, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. God, I pray that the people in this house will have open ears, that you will give us ears to hear what you're saying. Whoever you use, it could be any one of us. It could be all of us. You're equipping us. You're empowering us. That it's not just a team of people in leadership, but all of us have been invited to live in this place, to bring uh, with the voice of power and authority transformation in their homes, in their business, to anyone in their sphere of influence, to their lost family. Give us ears. Give us ears to hear what you're saying and give us the courage to declare it. I ask this in Jesus' name. continue talking to the Lord for a minute and I just thank you Jesus for what is available to us even on our like John was on the Isle of Patmos Father whatever situation we face whatever our Patmos is whatever the suffering that we're enduring whatever pain we've been through Father, I thank you that encounter, life-changing encounter with you is available. And so we commit to come up higher. We commit to come up higher. We thank you that the book of Revelation speaks to us today right where we live. Showing us what is available. Showing us how to remain faithful to you in the midst of trouble. <laughs> we commit to come up higher. Thank you for joining us today at the Dwell Church Podcast. For more information about Dwell Church, visit us at dwell.church.